We are ready to blast off. Welcome, Madeline Moon, to The Fear Alchemist. And I would love for you to introduce yourself from the get-go with just by holding up your book so that people know what's coming and Artist of Love. Yes. Artist of Love is the name of my best-selling book now. Um, And my name is Madeline. And I think this is my second time to come on to the show, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah. So second time. It's rebranded into the Fear right. Alchemist, right? But um, but yes, technically your your second appearance, so you're an OG, a return guest, an OG. Yeah, <laughs> I love the name. I love the rebrand name. Um, yeah, so I support women and learning how to become artists of love in regards to their own life, their relationships, and their connection with the world itself. Yeah, how did you think of the name, or how did the not name come into mm. you? Artist of Love was something that was floating in my sphere for a while. I'm not actually sure exactly where I first thought of it or heard it or, you know, this special um, combination of words, but it was something that I started to really transform my teachings around that beautiful foundation of the feminine and masculine polarity, which is so great and also so lacking. (laughs) in in so many ways and for a few years I was really like in it like I I wasn't innovating I was just like I'm in the feminine the masculine world this is what it is I learned this now I teach this and (laughs) after a while of like really experiencing being in relationships that were kind of based off of that based off of feminine and masculine polarity and realizing whoa I feel like I feel super pretzeled like Somehow this world, I grew up in a world that was patriarchal and conservative and Southern Baptist where women were less than men. And I was pretzeled in that world to fit and mold into that mentality and that society. And then I I grew up and I expanded and I traveled. And then I found this amazing space of feminine and masculine polarity where all of a sudden my emotions as a female were valid and encouraged to be bigger and uh, encouraged to be more and more revealed. But then all of a sudden I found myself realizing that in even that world, there is a way that the feminine is to be molded to always reveal the truth of her heart, to always use sound and expression over speech, to never lead, to be sparkly and feminine and open in all these ways that yet again, it was these rules laid out for us to follow and they were beautiful and they these this kind of um framework really soothes the heart of a lot of women searching for the place that they belong where their emotions are welcome and yet it's another different kind of pretzel and when you step outside of the lines of what that kind of feminine goddess does and all of a sudden you're back where you're where you started where you're questioning what you're feeling and trying to harness your way of expressing it in a relationship so that it stays within the lines and To be an artist means to create something that is not yet here. It is to innovate. So my true deepest desire is to help women learn how to innovate what it means to be feminine, Mm. to stop going to all of the books or to the rules that were written by men from tens of thousands of years ago, (laughs) but to instead 
create and innovate what it means to be a feminine being, an artist of love who creates, you know, I love that your name is the alchemist because everything that I teach as an artist is to turn water into wine, to create something magical that's never before been done out of your childhood wounds, out of your pain, out of relationship dogma. Create something out of it. Make something out of it with your own body and with your hands, with your womb. So that's in a nutshell what it means. And there's so many like details of it, of all the different ways to be an artist of love, but I'll stop there. Well, I love that because yeah, as soon as when you were speaking, like the artist and the alchemist are very similar. Mm-hmm. And that's I was making that connection to as you were speaking. And it's and it's individual. And it and it like I haven't read the book yet, but it sounds like like what does it mean? Like is it very individual? Like as an artist of love instead of like here's the feminine and here's the masculine, you know, traits in each side of the chart or whatever. Is it more just like what is your unique expression and to like follow, like to be in your heart? Like what does that actually feel and look mm-hmm. like? So I have combined the artist of love is an intersection between all my favorite kinds of work. So I just wanted to create something where everything merged together. And this is what makes it a little bit unique is that in this body of work, what it's primarily based around is feminine embodiment meets acting and improv Mm. meets archetypes and shadow work. That's what everything combined comes together because I wanted to create Um, I wanted to teach people how you can turn water into wine, how you can turn a trigger into art in a multitude of different ways. So I first created these archetypes that women could explore. So if there's only four and, and by having four archetypes, you have this nice dialed in way that you can learn how to create art. So I have a um, loyal Oracle. So how to be in partnership very loyal and also to see the unseen you're an oracle Mm. you see beyond what's present you can feel into your partner and remain loyal to him by telling the truth by calling him in deeper and there are ways that the loyal oracle creates art so i wanted to lay something out very clearly we also have the playful priestess like her her like her gift in a tantric sense is to be playful is to do the unthinkable to surprise the element of surprise. She loves drama. And yeah, she just she she just gifts the world with her sparkle and her chandelier essence. And then we have the erotic enchantress. She lives by the pulse of her sex. Like sex is more than just a thing she does, it's a way that she lives. And even when she's going through a trigger, she turns that trigger into an erotic gift as a way to get her message across. Not just so that you know, it lands well for her partner because it's sexy. It's not the point. It's because it's her truth is to live from her sex. Mm. And that's how in a like almost Lilith way, she she creates art out of a situation that would otherwise, you know, suck life out of a moment. And then we have the sacred devotee. This is very much like the Mary Magdalene. She creates ceremony and ritual and everything she touches turns sacred. And she has her own ways of turning 
creating art out of triggers through ceremony, through like really putting a trident in the sand and saying no more to this pattern. And here's how we're going to claim that moment of no more. We're going to create a ceremony. So the archetypes are really wonderful ways for people to be like, I've got a trigger. Which one of these four do I want to invoke within myself and play with? And then though, that's almost, that's not enough. We're way more than four. <laughs> we're, we're, we're infinity. And so that's where acting comes into the picture where when you're acting, you're creating characters that were never before done. It's completely in your imagination. Improv, same thing, completely made up. So no more do we have just four. We have infinity. And this is where a lot of juice gets to be found because you can use acting as a way to discover more of your shadow side by trying on characters, either seeing things in movies that you want to emulate in your life or making one up on your own, writing screenplays, creating a totally different story out of that 21-year-old trauma that experience you had. You can write a screenplay where it has a different ending. Mm -hmm. You can film it. You can really create something out of something that happened in your life to rewrite it or to just touch it more deeply. So there's that. Then there's, of course, the polarity piece, feminine and masculine, which I feel like a lot of people really understand by now. So I'm happy to answer any questions about that. But the other pieces to me added to the polarity, added to relationship is what makes it so much more fun. Yeah, this is cool. I like how you did the four archetypes and then it's like, and infinity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. It's like, here's this for like a launch pad and they're super fun. Super fun. I love playing with them. And then acting, it's like, all right, I'm ready for level two. I'm ready to, to like, like one of the practices I give my students is to memorize a monologue. And it's in the book, the two different ways to do a monologue, because there are two ways you can practice with monologues as a spiritual practice. But I love monologues because you can find a character. Like the other day I was talking with my teacher and I was speaking with her about how with my assistants, I have somewhat of this people pleasing tendency that comes up that can really mm. get in the way of me getting my needs met. And she knows the work I do. So she was speaking my language and she was like, great. So what would Corella, Corella DeVille do? <laughs> what would Cruella, Cru, Cruella DeVille do? And I was like, oh, she'd probably flick her cigarette at them and say, get it done, bitch. And like walk into <laughs> the next row. And so if someone wanted to, you know, infuse more of an energy into their life, not to like become an asshole, but to balance out a tendency, then you can take on a character and learn a monologue from a movie and actually rehearse it and put your life force into it and perform it for friends to really anchor in that shadow piece to help embody it. I, I think that monologues are just such an underutilized tool for all, all of us non-actors in the world as a way to do shadow work that's safe and doesn't really require going to a five-day workshop. Yeah. And it's, what's really cool is like, it's so playful mm -hmm. and light. And so it's, you said turn water into wine and then triggers into what? Art. Art. Okay. This is mm -hmm. so cool. So, um, and you might share some of these in the book, but what, what's been like a key water to wine moment for you? Mm. Well, the book itself is. Actually. I had a feeling actually. Yeah. Yeah. So the short story, which may not be short, we'll see. <laughs> um, I, I wrote this book in 
technically I've been writing different versions of whatever book wanted to come through for like four years, 2020. I wrote, I think four different versions of a book (laughs) and then I took a break. And then in December of last year, I was with a partner at the time and he was like, just give it another shot. Just like, and I was like, you don't understand. It's my, it's the hardest thing in my life. I'll just start writing and get my hopes up and it won't come true and all this stuff. And, <laughs> and, and then, yeah, just a simple statement of like, go try it again. Got me to try it again. And I ended up writing the first draft of this within maybe three weeks, wow. which is kind of normal for me in a first draft. I write it in, in days. And after I wrote it, I was like, okay, to really keep this as something I'm going to create, I'm going to get an editor who's going to bust my balls. <laughs> like someone who's going to be like, we're making this amazing book. Mm-hmm. So I started hunting for editors that would do that. I didn't want to just self-publish a book that came through on the first round. I wanted someone to really help me harness it, but I also didn't want to go the traditional route because that would take another two years to get it out. And I didn't want to wait. Yeah. Very impatient. I was like, I'm ready. So I found an editor and the same week that I found my editor, me and that partner split up. And so I'm going into this like bellied over grief moment of what is happening and I get an email from my editor who's like, this is a great book, but we need to rewrite it from scratch. And we need to have a lot more structure. Okay. And I was like, one part of me was like, this is great. I get to have a project to work on as I'm grieving. Mm-hmm. And then another part of me was like, fuck, this is going to interrupt my grieving. Like, I just need to grieve and like be on the floor and eat cupcakes and like cry and call my girlfriends. But there was a part of me that was like, I'm really going to trust that this is happening for a reason that I need to rewrite this book at the same time that I'm going through this. And um, little did I know that this breakup process with this partner would actually end up lasting pretty much the entirety of nine months of untangling, moving in, doing this dance, like feeling sacred injustice within myself, feeling upset, feeling anger, and like really working with all of that emotion at the same time that I was working on this book. And at first, when I say that, if I was a listener listening to that, I'd be like, oh no, should I read this book? Because it's basically reading someone's grief. (laughs) And what was really great was that my vision was so strong throughout the entire period of my grief around this being a book that was a true piece of sparkly art that the sparkliness of like the 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 upliftment i wanted to offer in this book was that north star for me throughout all the grief and i got to rewrite a lot of beliefs that i had through writing this during a separation because there were things I believed when I was in partnership with him that I no longer believed afterwards. Like, do you mind sharing one or two? Well, one of them is, um, it was through this. Yeah. So one of the things that I've been experiencing a lot is that relationships cannot work if they are built on a foundation of polarity. Hmm. So polarity is naturally an opposition masculine meets feminine so if polarity is the is the opposition where a sacred union or tantra is the coming together of the masculine and feminine if you're only ever 
pulling apart, you're never going to feel that sacred weed. Mm, like and you're all, always going to feel like a little, that tension of like, you don't, you're not seeing me, you're not understanding me. And there's what I experienced was, um, you know, one of the rules in that polarity space is that when the feminine is talking, oftentimes what she's really saying is not coming through in her words. So it's partly the masculine's responsibility in the polarity world to listen to what she's saying underneath what she's saying. (laughs) And for a while, I really romanticized that idea post rewriting this book. I romanticized that like he's listening to what I'm saying underneath what I'm saying. And it's a way that we infantilize women that we actually aren't saying our truth. And it actually becomes quite maddening when you feel like the words you're saying are not being heard because your partner is always looking for what's underneath it. And you're like, I'm saying what I need. I'm telling you as a woman in my thirties, like I'm telling you, cause <laughs> I know. And there's kind of this culture and that space where she's not really aware to what she needs and it's his job. And that is an issue that I experienced with polarity being the foundation because that's built into it. And there's, there's other things. There's actually quite a few things, maybe that's a different book coming about. (laughs) But what I really realized throughout this time was that she knows best and he should listen to what she's saying she needs. And that's more in the realm of sacred union. So I get very cautious when women come to me and they're like, I want a man to take me deeper than I can take myself. Mm. And I'm just like, I understand that on one hand and where are you willing to take yourself deep Mm. and take a stand for you taking yourself deep in that area? There's some areas where a beloved taking you deeper is rich and divine. I would not encourage it to be all the areas because then you will end up in this situation where not only do you feel like your words are not being heard, but you begin to not trust yourself to know what you're really saying and needing. Yeah. Do you feel like that happened to you or you were like subconsciously, I'm not sure if degrading is the right word, but like minimizing or like it's a little bit of, yeah, it's a little bit of self gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Just like, here's what I think I need, but maybe I'm not really awake to it because I don't really know because I'm a little feminine being. And, <laughs> you know, and it's it's just another repackaging of yeah. the patriarchy. And and I'm not I'm not blaming any of the teachers of this. I'm not blaming any of, I'm not blaming my past partner or any of the men teachers teaching polarity. I'm, you know, because I think that a lot of this work has just fallen into the wrong hands. And people will present it as a spiritual teaching, but it's really egoic. It's really them being like, I just want women to listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) Honestly. And I don't think it's malicious. I don't think it's at the tip of their tongue of like mind control, but I think it's just like, it's so beautiful in a sense. And so it's so easy to be like, yeah, this is beautiful. I want her to trust me over herself. It's beautiful. I can take her deep. And it's not, it's not equality and it's not true partnership. And it's not, it's another form of codependency mm-hmm. that we're retraining in a very sparkly spiritual way. But when you really go deep into it, 
I think most people wake up pretty quickly and they, cause they can feel it in their bodies, especially for women. Mm, this is so fascinating. Like that, that really is like a water into wine moment. And like, mm-hmm. I, I just want to keep going down this, like, but what was even like the trigger into art? Like, how did you actually, like, did you do a, a monologue or like, what was one of those trigger moments that you, mm-hmm. I mean, this book is a piece of art, obviously, but mm-hmm. it, like, how did that happen? Or like, what triggers did you feel during this time as well? Mm-hmm. Well, one of them that I really sat with is a, a lot of times throughout the past several months when not more recently, but towards the beginning of the separation, I kept noticing that I wanted to, I would feel this surge of energy in my body of anger, for example, Mm. and want to discharge it. Like want to throw it at him, be like, see all these reasons why I'm upset. Don't you see this kind of like a pie in the face. And when I would do that, what I noticed the very nuances in my body so I was really slowing down around this process. I would, I would, I would give it to him, or I would give it to my girlfriends, and then I would feel just like ever so slightly this, this like subtle dim in this massive bonfire I was building in my body, which was nice because it was a relief. Like, whew, I got some anger out. It was heard. It was witnessed. Ha! Ah, I can breathe a little better. But then all of a sudden, I would go, huh? But I, I miss that heat. Like I was building a big bonfire and by discharging it, it feels a little dimmer. And I could notice the subtleties of that in my system where I then afterwards would be like, maybe I don't need to give my anger out because it's actually feeling a little bit more like life force. Cool. And I want to harness it and I want to stoke that fire and I want to learn. This is the key for everyone. I want to learn how to train my body to hold more of the fire because I wasn't able to hold it, which is why I was discharging it. Like, fuck you. It made me feel better. I all of a sudden had to hold a little less, but the very real practice that I could have been taking part of where I was like practicing, breathing in all of that energy and harnessing it and holding it in my body got leaked out. And I missed an opportunity and I would start to get kind of excited for like a 24 hour cycle where I would start to feel that heated again. And then I'd be like, this time though, I'm going to keep it in. I'm going to breathe it in. I'm going to do my practice and I'm going to sit with it. So I wrote a post a while ago about discharging your longing and how for an artist, it's important to stop discharging your longing with like, you know, just vent sessions on Instagram in a, in a post Like keep that and wait till you write a book Mm. or wait till you put out a well-produced piece of music. Like keep all those teeny tiny little bits you want to leak out and hold them in your body to see what, what on a grander scale you can create with this that has a much bigger impact. And my friends were very supportive in this when one of the practices that I did during this time is I would like, I would write Instagram stories that I wanted to post that I never did. Like I would write things. I'd be like, fuck this. And I can't believe this happened. And this and this and this and this. Um, And then I would send it to a group chat with four Mm. of my closest women friends instead of publishing it because I didn't want to discharge it. And I didn't want to say anything in the middle of a really intense experience. So I still wrote it, but I just didn't post it. And I would give it to a different set of witnesses 
because I wanted to ultimately harness this. And last thing I want to make clear is that all that anger that I was harnessing transmuted into a divine lesson that's much more uplifting than just giving people my anger. So it's not that you harness it to then put out an album that is about fuck you. And it's like (laughs) a lot of money goes into it. Instead, I create, I transmuted it. So it turned into something that was actually not even about me, not even about my relationships. It went so much bigger than that, Mm. bigger vision. And I think that's, what's really important is that when we're harnessing all of this life force, the goal is not to make your anger bigger on a bigger scale. The goal is to transmute it. It can stay, you can still have anger, but we're thinking now about what we're creating for the sake of love itself. So on that bigger scale, we're asking what's really going to serve the planet. What's really going to serve people once they get their hands on this thing that I'm creating. It's not even about me, but rather about them. Yeah, this is dope. I love that. It's like, and of course I'm a huge fan of transmuting. (laughs) So it's like, and I love just all of, because essentially everything is life force energy, right? Is like, Mm. like one of my main beliefs is like fear is love in disguise. So it's just like fear, right? Is like, it's that same thing. Fear is really just anger as well, right? Anger is trying to, trying to protect you from something. And so, and then you transmute that into something beautiful. Like when you look underneath that, like, have you, not to say that you needed to do it, but like, how long did this relationship last? Was it like a year-ish? Um, this one was about, yeah, a little over that. And so we were sharing over Instagram DMs of like, mm. like the exploring the fear of finding the one true love, essentially. Like, mm. Does it exist or does it even need to exist and all these things? Was it like, when you were like in those moments, like, I guess I'm just curious of like, when like, uncoupling or transitioning out of this was it was there a part of you that didn't want to because there was part of you that's like if this goes and there's nothing else or like were you kind of idolizing it or putting it on a pedestal what was the like what was the thing underneath underneath this transition that possibly you didn't even know that was there if that makes sense Mm, ask it maybe in just one more way just so before i go on like before you go in there, what essentially, yeah, I'll just say like, what were you protecting yourself from? In the breakup? Yeah. Mm. Or potentially even during it, right? Like, because I know you went deeper into yourself, right? That always happens with like those initiations. Like what was something, because you already talked about how you were like minimizing yourself, right? Because on the rules, based on the rules of polarity, So what was something else that you were perhaps um, protecting yourself from? Like whether it's during the breakup or now post looking back, you're like, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think one of those things was, I say this. Even if a woman has built every ounce of her success on her own, there is sometimes a primal fear that comes up when you 
separate from someone who who is more successful or is also successful. Mm. Period. Like all of my everything I've ever created, I have I have privilege, of course. I'm white, able-bodied, thin, straight. So there's that. Daddy. I have a daddy who like put a roof over man as a kid. I went to yeah. college. There's tons of privilege there. But um everything from that moment on, I built myself. When I, I worked my ass off and lived in teeny tiny little spaces until I started to and started to grow. And even into the moment of separating from him, I had all this primal fear come up around separating from a man who like is very successful. Will I be okay? Mm. Am I going to die? Is everyone going to stop caring about me? Mm. Like I even had this fear of like, did people only love me because I was in relationship with him, which is hilarious because our relationship was private. No one even knew. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I was like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be because of him. Like I was outsourcing <laughs> my success to someone who did not give me any. Mm. Um, that said, I will give, I will give my partner credit for being like a, very, very, very savvy, business-minded human being. And so I did learn from him, you know, ways to continue to grow. So there was ways that I definitely felt encouraged, like even my book, right? He was like, you should keep going. And because he said that, I was like, I should. So there were ways <laughs> that I was, you know, really inspired. And um, I could just feel that on such a primal level. And that fear came up for me really strong when we were first separating, like, I really thought I was going to be, I was going to turn into a piece of shit. And I love myself and I love what I've created, but that was overpowered of just like, maybe not piece of shit, but like not have anything anymore. And I had to sit with that. I had to sit with that. I had to cry with that, be with that, own that, because that was the answer for me to knowing if me and him are really meant to be or not like really feeling that like for as long as I wanted to avoid that feeling I would this goes with any relationship if you're not willing to sit with a feeling that's coming up you're going to go back to that person in order to avoid the feeling and I'm having these feelings right now like the separation goes on forever like I'm even I'm having my own stuff coming through and I'm like okay if we were ever to find ourselves together again, I got to feel all of this stuff again in order to think clearly of what I want. And there's a lot, I mean, there's just a lot that's gone through that I've had to turn water into wine. And a lot of the times it's about feeling it and then creating something with it, whether for myself or for, you know, friends to see or for my business, but sitting with these things, it is the answer for anyone that's questioning a relationship. Like you have to sit with these things in order to get to the other side to know what's best for you clearly rather than just in reaction to not feel a feeling this is good so it's like and what you said was fascinating is like you're always going through the separation mm -hmm. like, will you expand on that that's interesting well i i kind of literally mean that like we just we tap dance like ah, ah. you know it's like, it's like i literally mean that there's there's still a lot of moments where I'm like, I don't know if I don't want to be with you. Maybe I do want to. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, you know, it's part of my, part of my karma right now. Mm. Um, there's just something very karmic around this mm. where 
every choice, like the choices to like, okay, no more, or maybe I love you. It's just this <laughs> constant. I've never experienced anything like that as I have with, with this former partner. So for some people it's literal where they're going in and out of like, maybe, maybe not until they make that final karmic decision of like, I'm all in and I'm choosing to be all in mm-hmm. or it's, I'm completely done and I'm closing the door and drawing a line in the sand. And sometimes even when you think the line in the sand is drawn, you may, you know, and I, what I want to say about that is that it's important to have so much compassion for yourself. If you like say you're done, but then you're not or whatever, whichever way, because I do believe that there is something at play karmically with all of us in all of our relationships and they have to play out. Things have to play out until you really know, until you really, 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 really know. And don't be hard on yourself if you have emotions you thought you had processed come back up or fears that you thought you had processed come back up because if they come back up, they're meant to be felt. The only Mm. way to the other side is through. I love, like, I appreciate you sharing that because it's obviously still very much in process. And I love that glass. That's a, that's a, just a royal regal. Mm. Thank (laughs) you. I love this glass. That's amazing. And so, and this kind of goes back to what I mentioned before of like what you voice noted me on Instagram about like questioning if quote unquote, the one is real or not. Like, do you mind expanding on that? Like what has been your thought process and feelings of, cause you are kind of like dancing back in and out. And so it would make sense that you like, is this real? Like, is it not real? Like, like, <clears throat> Start with like a year ago, did you believe in the one? No, I mean, the one, let's, to be more clear about what I'm speaking to, I'll Mm -hmm. I'll share what I shared in the DMs with, with everybody so that they're really clear. Ben had asked me what would be the fear I'd want to explore. And I said that you know, when I was 20, when I was 18, I was like, I'm going to be married when I'm 22 and have three kids and it's going to be awesome. And then when I was 22, I was like, Oh, not yet. But when I'm 25, by that point, yeah, 25. And I'm like, "Mm, I want to go travel the 27 for sure. That's the year. (laughs) And then now I'm, I'm 31. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Life really does fly by fast. And and before I know it, I mean, I've, I've heard from so many people that 30 to 40, just like so quick. And I'm like, it's, I'm at the time of my life where it's time to make choices and time to make decisions. I feel of like what, for me, I just, it just feels right for me to really slow down more around this process around choosing somebody because I, it's not that I believe in the one, I don't believe in that, but I do believe in choosing a a big one love Mm. i don't think that there's just one person i think there's thousands of people that we could make relationships work with but i think my perspective is more so i want to choose one person to be the person i go in deep with and as i continue to get older i'm like wow time is flying by fast like what is it going to require of me to choose and at the same time, on the other side of the coin, I have this 
curiosity around our society as a whole, are we moving out of that? Are we moving out of having one person we choose to commit to for long, 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 long? And is our world kind of made up of these like six year relationships just till we die? And I'm trying, I'm noticing that I'm trying to outsmart the game of life and I'm trying to realize which it is so that I can hurry and get into alignment with it, which is not the way it works. Cause I'm like, if I'm, if I'm meant to have short relationships forever, I'd rather just know that and and like rest into it and sink into it so that I stop trying to fight that natural path. But that's not how life works. That's not what's going to happen. I'm I'm not going to know till I'm on my deathbed and I reflect and I go, oh, that's what it was. So right now and for every day, it's, it's this, it's just be here now, you know, it's just being here now with this person that I'm with. And I do think there, I, I, I personally don't want to have a life of a lot of short relationships till I die. I do want to have someone I go in deep with. So I'm going to hold on to that as the thing that I want. And it seems like you maybe agree. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> Cause like, like observing you and feeling into you is like, cause that was going to be my question is like, well, what does you actually want? But that was my feeling is like watching you speak about it is like, that's actually what your heart and soul wants. Yeah, this is, yeah, <laughs> I don't want, I, I'm such a like relationship human. I'm mm-hmm. in, in the older that I'm getting, the more I'm like, yeah, like being out of relationship. I'm like, this is a great practice. It's a great practice. It's always a great reminder, but it's not where I want to live. It's where I want to go to train, like train, harnessing my longing, make art and blast it to the world, focus on my business, like flirt with the world. And I'm also very clear that I want to be a mother. I want to have Mm -hmm. a partner. I want to be a family unit. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have a mother in my life and, you know, my whole family is kind of split up. So it's just that for me, creating that for myself is really important. And and all my choices that I make at this point, like I so get it. Those things about dating a woman in her thirties, I so get that. I'm like, all right, does he have a job? Does he listen to what I say? Like, does he feel very reliable? Da, 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 da. Like, and there's like, because it's all for that future baby girl that I want to bring through. It's mm. not just about like I want to have fun anymore. It's I want. So it's a unique art form to balance polarity and being in your feminine essence and leaning back and being colorful and expressive and also being in your masculine knowing what it is that you want and having boundaries with situations that don't apply to that dream life and sitting with both dang yeah i love this and relate to this on many levels and i can just attest to like the family like that's something i've Mm. definitely always wanted um but I'm 31 and I just had like, we had our mm. first son and it truly is like, like I get emotional. Like it really is like the best, mm. like nothing compares mm. to like, mm-hmm. ooh, yeah. Like it really is just like the first thought that I had when he came out, I was like, oh, like nothing else matters. Mm. Like truly everything else is so small. Mm-hmm. And then like my next thought was, oh, but everything else matters more because of this little like perfect soul. Mm. And it is, it's so cool of like, well, nothing else matters, but at the same time, everything matters more. And it's such a great reminder of life. And for you, 
Like I feel that I've like, I've always felt that from you is like, I know, I don't know. I don't know how, but just like intuitively, like, I just know you'd be like the, like, I know you are and will be an amazing, like wife, partner, mother, family head <laughs> of, of all the things. Is there, so what part of you, cause now that it, it's clear and that's what, that's what I thought my read was like, I know that's what you want. So is there a part of you that doesn't believe that will happen or is nervous of it not happening or just time going by fast or what is it? Well, firstly, thank you for sharing that love with me. That was really beautiful to witness. And like, that's what I live for. Like these moments where we can, we can like literally see the depth of love in someone's expression mm-hmm. and body. And I got, I got to see some of that. I'm like, Oh, that's what's possible. And it's so beautiful to witness. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, and I do believe it's possible for me. There are moments for speaking on a conversation of fear. Like, of course, there are moments where that fear comes in that maybe it's not because I have a lot of girlfriends who are stellar human beings who are 39 and at this point where they're releasing their idea of having a kid. And I'm like, my heart hurts so badly for them that mm. they didn't get they're having to let go, go through a period of letting go of that dream. And while I watch that, uh, for sure, I'm like, Oh, like that's a person very similar to me. Like, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> you know, I, I I'm, I'm always going to wait till the right person to have that person yeah. with, you know, I'm, I've, I've always been very clear that, um, my, standards are high of, of the person that I would want to, to be tethered to for the rest of my life. And those other women that I know had the same, have the same way, have the same way that they're like, they're looking, they want a king who can like really hold them in their massiveness. And it is challenging at times to, to, to do the work, you know, and to know who to do the work with mm-hmm. and, and there's also so much conversation about, you know, all over Instagram and teachings around, you know, leave relationships that there's gaslighting and there's this and there's that and there's toxicity and that, that, then there's also the work. And so it leaves, it leaves it like just a very interesting place. And that's, that's where I've been of just exploring these options of like, there's different archetypes of partnerships that I could go for a partnership that's like, light and playful and and um you know youthful and like equality but then there's like polarity and richness and depth and practice and Taoism and then there's like and you can have it all I know that I know that it's also out there to have everything and I I'm just aware of all this of like the the desire that we can have for for perfection and how that's that's not the path that I want to choose I actually want I like a partnership that has work to do and it just depends on what kind of work and what kind of work is going to be healthy for a child to come into this world and with us. Mm. Man. Yeah. I love talking to this, talking about this with you. Like I can feel it from you. Like you truly, like it's you, I can, like you, you love it. (laughs) It's my, it's my Dharma. Like Mm -hmm. I'm still having a great time, even if I'm like, (laughs) here right now questioning all these things because this is what I'm here to do and as long as I'm engaging in relationship even in this way where I'm pondering it looking at it like 
I could probably stay in a, in a detangling breakup thing for a while because like I'm engaging in relationship and it's like part of my work. It's, it, it gives me life in a lot of ways. Mm. And it's, is there a part of you, if I can ask this, like when you look at, cause I've noticed the same thing, right? There's a lot, a lot of powerful, full, fully expressed, um, successful women, you know, like in the late thirties or early forties, um, especially in Austin, it feels like, mm. right. And it's mm-hmm. of like this, like, and I, and I feel that too. Like I felt that like observing or discussing with some of them of letting that idea go, which I can't imagine. Like if something that's you've, if that's what you've deeply desired, that's gotta be really difficult to like, mm-hmm. to begin to let go of that. Is there like, I'm kind of, this is kind of revisiting the same thing. It's like, I feel like it's going to happen for you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just know it is. So is it like, like, do you, so what are you waiting for? Mm. Mm. Him. Mm. Can I ask another deep question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so is it, oof, yeah, I'm going to ask this. <laughs> go for it. I love it. Okay. So is it, is it this, this person that you've been dancing with? Is it, do you think you've been waiting for a version of him to show up? Like, is it, is it a version of him or do you know that it's actually someone else? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Um, I think it's both. I think it's, maybe it's meant to be somebody else or maybe it's him. You know, uh, you know, we're just, we've just been in this, like, I, I've been in an, in an inquiry because with him, there's so much fucking love. Mm. And the love never goes. And I'm like, I've been really pondering, like, in a world where, maybe in our world, in my world, where falling in love happens once in a blue moon, like really deeply would Mm. take a bullet for you, love. Do you stay when there's love and you just keep fucking going as Mm. long as you can until the love's not there anymore? And so that's kind of what I've been sitting with is like, there's still love here. Like this, this, and, and there's also plenty to say about you can still love a person and not be compatible. And that's another path. So it's just like, what do I listen to? Which path? And it's been, it's been basically nine of what is the path combat compatibility or love. And there's probably both and, Mm -hmm. you know, TBD of what, (laughs) what will happen in my life. And I'm, but I'm here now, I'm here in this moment of pondering things and, um, and it's, it's so great because this is all also adding to my net worth as a teacher. (laughs) Like that's also one of the things why I love about being the one to sit in all this shit and really look at all of this over and over and over and over again, because it helps me really relate to the world and these questions we ask about love and what it means to be an artist of love and how to create art out of this and whether it's now or eventually sometimes we need pauses to just feel 
Um, but yeah, the, the topic of love and co- compatibility, you know, is really important. Dang. So we might have to, I don't know, talk offline or something, <laughs> but there's, there's so much similarity and I had, a, mm-hmm. I didn't know we we're going to talk about this at all, but there's, a, yeah, there's something cause that's the exact, it didn't take me nine months, but that's the exact thing <laughs> that I was thinking of with my partner. Like the love versus compatibility thing. It is from my experience just quickly. It is both. It's just stuff under the surface, yeah. but I just appreciate you sh- sharing so much of in the space of like, you've shared definitely some things of what you've gone through and like what you've learned, but also just being brave and vulnerable to share like the TBD part, mm-hmm. I think it's just really, really admirable. And I like, I, yeah, I appreciate it so much mm-hmm. because it's, I like we expect people to be perfect and have it all figured out. Um, so thank you for sharing like the, the imperfect unfinished parts of love. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks for your question. They're really good. And yeah, I think people don't know how, how willing I am to just tell the truth. And, and interviews. So it's actually really fun when someone's like, then tell me, tell me the answers about your confusion in your life. I'm like, yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> So thank you for asking those questions. Yeah, honestly, it's like, man, I want to keep asking questions, but it's perfect timing <laughs> because you have to go. So I, I won't ask you anymore. <laughs> like those, those deep soul questions. So as we as we close, where can people find your book and where can people deeply turn water into wine with you? Yes. So Artist of Love is available everywhere. It's... Um, on pre-order for Kindle and a, a few places, but you can find it on Amazon. And my website is maddiemoon.com, Maddie with a Y. And then my Instagram is Madeline Moon. And I'm very active on that every day, posting videos and teaching. And I have a follow-up program coming out called the Artist of Love Initiation that people can look into if they want to do a book and then a deeper dive into this work. I love website. it. Where... Well, Madeline, thank you so much. Like truly, and everyone definitely highly recommend. I imagine if you don't know her already, you've heard she truly embodies like the full spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that's what one thing I love about you is like, you truly are like silly and playful. And it's like, you truly like that drama and that, like that actor, but then like you have the sensual and like the serious and the depth and like the honesty. So I highly recommend 10 out of 10. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate that and your support and seeing me and supporting the book and getting the word out. And yeah, thank you. Good gratitude. Yes. Thank you, everyone.